0: the reading this morning is from exodus chapter 32 verses 1 through 5 and 15 through 18. when the people saw that moses delayed to come down from the mountain the people gathered around aaron and said to him come make gods for us who shall go before us As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain, carrying two tablets of the covenant in his hands, tablets that were written on both sides, written on the front and on the back. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved upon the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people, as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound made by victors or the sound made by losers. It is the sound of revelers that I hear. The word of God for the people of God.
1: So we began this journey four weeks ago. We began by understanding that sometimes when we are at our most lost place, that's in fact where God calls us. Amy that helped us think about the fact that if we're going to go on this journey of our life, this journey of faith, we have to figure out what we need to finally lay down and leave behind, quit carrying all the old baggage with us. Last week we talked about the necessities that we need along the way and, and what helps make the journey more fun, more possible, and more successful. But after all that, even when we've done all of those things, There are times when we discover moments of setback and disappointment along the way. Have any of you lived? Have any of you failed? The answer is the same, isn't it? Now, Whether the risk is large or small, the fact is all of us have had those moments of disappointment, of frustration. Now in my life I've discovered that's a truth but this is also a truth not everybody in their life has the same number or level of disappointments it just seems to me that sometimes i encounter folks who live with an unfair burden far larger than they should ever have to live and maybe even larger than i've ever had to live i have seen situations where people are having to go through things i just don't know why they have to go through them uh, children sick with a variety of diseases, for example. Uh, youth who are trying to make their way but are being launched by unhealthy homes. Uh, people who are born into abject poverty and racism and violence. It just seems, well, it leads me to that place where we say the world is unfair. Amen? It just feels to me sometimes that It'd be nice if we all had to deal with the same level of frustration and setback and disappointment, but I've also discovered even if that were true, some of us get crushed by disappointments that others hardly bat an eye at. Either way, all of us find ourselves in those moments where we just feel like we've hit a wall or maybe that the wall has collapsed down on top of us. That's where Moses was in this passage. He had gone up the mountain uh, to be with God. Now you know what that's like when you go up the mountain to be with God. God does not always appear on our timeline. You've been seeking out God and realize that God was not right there ready for you right now. And sometimes you have to wait, sometimes you have to wait longer than you ever thought you'd have to wait. And then when God appears, God might in fact say something, do something different than you anticipated or even desired. All that's going up on the mountain. But everything's okay back down the valley, Moses thinks, because, well, before he left, he said, Hey, y'all, I'm going up the mountain. I'm going to commune with God. I'm going to check some things out, get some things straightened out. I'll be back. Aaron, you're in charge. Aaron's responsible. Aaron's been faithful. Aaron's a good guy. So Moses left knowing that it was going to be okay. And this is the beginning of the first time in history Complete, total, chaotic, mind blowing, house destroying party while the parents are out of town for the weekend. That's really what goes on here. While Moses is up on the mountain, it says he's delayed in his return. And because he's delayed in his return, the folks had some idle time on their hands. And you know what happens when you got idle time on your hands and daddy and mama aren't home let's go have a party and so they start this party and aaron says oh this will be fine people need to let off some steam it'll be cool and they start having their party and then it gets louder and gets rowdier and things happen and a bonfire begins and then somewhere when the party's really rocking someone says hey i got an idea let's take the gold that we have off and throw it in the fire Now, you know the party's getting out of control when everyone says, yeah, let's do that. So they start throwing their gold in the fire. Then they party a little more and decide, hey, you know what would be cool? Let's make some idols out of this melting gold and we'll make them our gods. Does that not sound insane to you? Well, if it does, I just want to share this little observation. I have seen moments when an excuse is given by people once they were caught that made that excuse seem pretty mild. And so they make this idol, and they're starting to worship this golden calf, of all things, and Moses starts to come back down. Moses starts to arrive back home, and the party's not over. Oops. Oops. And Moses comes and he knocks on the door. And Aaron opens it. Oh, hey, Moses. (laughs) What's going on? I hear a lot of noise. Uh, Well, no, we were just... uh, uh, um." Moses comes in and sees this out-of-control party. And then sees this gold calf and looks at Aaron. And Aaron... Knows he's in trouble, and he says, well, you know, we just, <laughs> we threw our gold in the fire. Yeah, I, but then this golden capture sort of appeared out of the fire. And we weren't really worshiping around it. We were just, we were just dancing, and it looked like we were worshiping it. Now, I'm, I don't know if you've ever been there have you ever been in a moment when you walk into a, it's been a good day, you know, it's been going fine, and you walk in and you get a piece of news that takes your heart and drops it on the floor in front of you. Have you ever been there? When um, I was a youth pastor down in North Carolina at St. Matthew's United Methodist Church, we'd been, I'd been working with the kids for a year, and we had a great group and things were really going well so we took them out to the coast and had a at a weekend retreat with them we slept in tents there along the ocean and everything and i've discovered that in one of the tents tommy um who came along on the trip had decided in the bottom of his backpack to put beer um it wasn't on the packing list but he brought it anyway and, um, and they shared the, the beer in their, in their tent um, that night. And I got up the next morning, and you know how it happened. Hey, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. They're going to tell. So I found out. Now I was young, and I'd poured a year of my life into those kids, and I had such high expectations for them, and I was mad. I felt betrayed. I was so angry at them. And I said to Laura, I said, you go get them and march them down to, the, down to the beach. I'm coming in a few minutes. And I grabbed my Bible, and I'm trying to find a passage that I can just use to really rail on them with, you know. <laughs> so I get my Bible, and I'm still flipping as I walk down to the kids. I want, it better be a good one, you know. I mean, I'm just mad. I'm just so angry. I'm so disappointed. And I get down there, and I see them, and I want to tell you, hot went through me like electricity. I just threw the Bible down, said, what are you doing? After all we've been through this year, and off I went. And then I got mad. (laughs) I was so mad because they had not measured up to my expectations. I was mad because they had not done what I expected them to do. I was mad because They hadn't done the stupid things I did when I was in youth group. Moses had his heart fall out on the floor because he had just been with these people. He led them through the sea. God had just given them the miracle of food that would last them the entire journey. All these things had happened, and still they're acting this way. And God had just spoken to Moses, and Moses came back to them, and... It wasn't at all like he expected. It's at this point, you know that point where your heart feels like it weighs 50,000 pounds when your mind is so befuddled with anger and hurt and disappointment. It's at this point when it felt like everything you'd put your effort into in the past had come to nothing. It was at this point that oftentimes... People like me and Amy and Christine get invited into the story. We get invited to come in when there are pieces laying all over the ground. And anger and emotions and feelings and accusations and excuses and blame and guilt and despair and sadness and tears are all just pouring all over the place. Now what? How can we put those pieces back together? How do you begin to trust again? How do you start over again after everything you've tried to do hasn't worked? And a million other questions. Now, you might think that this is a frustrating place to be. And yes, to a certain extent it is. But if you think it's a terrible place to be, then you do not understand or know the God who is with us all. Because it has been my experience, and I think it's a scriptural reference, that that's where God does some of God's best work. When everything has fallen apart, when there is no hope, when the doors have been shut, God comes in and begins to say, wow, let me step in here because you guys are missing an awful lot. God specializes in coming into those places in our life where we've been on our journey, and we hit the wall, we fall off the cliff, and we feel like it is all over. Hi, God says, let's start over. And there are some common experiences that I've discovered in the past that help in those moments when disappointment is about ready to overwhelm us. The first thing I've discovered is that truth is at the beginning of how God works. When we hit walls of disappointment, when we have setbacks, My experience is that we oftentimes have a very difficult time getting back to truth. We think that disappointment is the truth. We think the failure is the truth. I thought that the act of of Tommy bringing beer on on the youth trip was a definition of the youth group. I lost truth in the moment. God comes back and says, it's time for us to get true, and sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. That's why we don't like it too much. We're afraid of it. We're afraid what happens when the truth is revealed. We don't understand that God is a God who says when the truth is revealed, the thing that is overwhelming you and disappointing you is shown for what it is, and nothing more than what it is. Because compared to the power of God's grace, compared to the power of God to do a new thing, and when the truth is revealed, we discover that power can truly make a difference. When truth is revealed, we begin to no longer live according to the lies that we have told ourselves and others. Now, sometimes I've discovered I need help of others for me to see the truth because I can get really passionate. When I get passionate, I get focused and I get the blinders on. Anybody carry blinders in their pocket? You know, I, uh, this, is, this is what it has to be. And somebody has to come up and just say, Rick, really, take a look. Sometimes I need help with others who are willing to say, look, there's more to this than what you're seeing. So truth is critical, and we oftentimes need others to help us see the truth. But the truth is essential for healing, and when it comes, healing can occur. The second thing that oftentimes happens, I find in those moments of disappointment, is that we have to figure out this is true there are consequences to our actions end of sentence quit trying to act like they aren't quit trying to act like the consequences that we set off into the pond we can somehow pull back we can't there are mistakes that we make there are setbacks that we experience that scar us and scar others around us and change the story and change the landscape and that's just going to be the way it is it is there that's part of the truth But we oftentimes use consequences that we've done or others have done as excuses or blame or prisons to keep people defined by their consequences. And I think what God does when he comes into our life, he says, there are consequences to your actions, but do not let them become your legacy. You can rise above those consequences. You can be something more than just the sum of the mistake in that moment or the setback that has occurred to you. You can begin to change who you are and how you are with others and how you see the situation, how you go about charting your life differently. And those consequences remain, but they will not or do not have to define you. You know, one of the things that I've discovered in the past is that all too often we think the consequences are going to be our legacy. And I've discovered that is not how God works. Sometimes we say to folks, and usually it's those of us who've made the mistake, <laughs> I know this intimately well, I like people to forget my mistake. Let's move on, let's just forget about it. That's easier for me to say because I want you to forget about my screw-up. But when you've messed me over, I got a memory that'll stay around a long time. And you can't tell me to forget because I don't forget. I'm not stupid. I do not get amnesia in those moments, and God doesn't ask me to. What God does ask me to is, while I remember the truth of what happened, I will not let the what happened be the what will be. Change is possible. We can move forward from whatever disappointment we're living with in the moment. and that's the good news setback can even become blessing believe it or not if we surrender ourselves in that moment to god you know by the way the chosen people were real honest about their screw ups we know this story about them having this blowout party and being idiots because they told us they self reported They wanted to be honest about it so the future generations would not think that they were perfect and got through it all. No, they were screwed up as we are, but God got them through it all. And they were hoping that maybe the future generations wouldn't make the same mistakes that they did. We do not remember this as the story of these people who screwed up at a party one night. We remember this as the story of the exodus where God led these people to a holy land a lot happened along the way, but it ultimately ended in grace and blessing. I also know that in this story in particular, God is about faithfulness and covenant. God comes back to the people to remind them of the fact that they are in a relationship of a covenantal nature, and that matters. It matters not because it's a a weight around our neck, but because it's a foundation that can give us hope. See, our natural reaction, oh, okay, maybe I'm honest. My natural reaction when things are hard is to want to run and find the easy way and go that path as fast as I can. But that's not what covenant's about. Covenant about says, I'll stay with you. Even when you screw up, you save me. Even when I screw up and we both have screwed up, thank God we've got a covenant because otherwise we'd spin out of control. That doesn't mean that it's easy. It's not. Staying true to each other in the midst of a broken covenant is tough, but it requires healing, which sometimes is like warfare, sometimes like surgery, and it takes time to heal and recover. All those things are true. We can't automatically snap our fingers and get over our ailments, but if we are faithful to doing what we need to do, healing can come. There is no magic formula except this truth. The impossible is possible with God. It seems to me very ironic that God chose to continue to reach out to these people. He comes down, he's listening to Moses, finds out what's happened, and says these people are, quote, a stiff-necked people. Which makes me wonder, so why is God getting in covenant with this stiff-necked group of people? Well, there are a lot of reasons, including the fact probably he couldn't find a group that wasn't stiff-necked. You know what I've discovered? You are an amazing and wonderful congregation, and sometimes you're frustrating, but you are no more frustrating than any other congregation. Amen? And quite frankly, you're a lot better than some, so thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) But you know how the old saying is, grass is not greener on the other side, and if it is, it's because the septic tank is running over. The truth is, it's not always easy. But God chose to re enter into covenant with these same foolish people, ultimately, simply because it's the nature of God to do so, which is good news for you and I when we screw up, when we have lost hope, when we don't know how to go on. It's just who God is, it's what God does. God never gave up on them, God got them to the promised land. God never gives up on us. Never. Never. God decided that He wanted to always be in relationship with people who were stiff necked and stubborn and broken hearted and disappointed and lost and confused. I said He does some of His best work there. Well, you remember the time when He came into the world? We'd know Him as Jesus. And he walked up to that woman who was being scorned by her community because she had really messed up. But then we discovered it was the community who was really messing up as much. And he said to her, I forgive you. Go and do a new life. Remember how he went? Amongst all the people that were gathered around him, he looked up and he saw a cheat and a traitor up in a tree. And he said, you're the one I want to hang with. Let me go to your house. Remember how he hung from a cross and as he died looked out at those who had betrayed him, who were killing him, who were making fun of him, and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is the same Lord who comes to us today I do not know if you're living with disappointment in your life. I do not know if you feel like a wall has collapsed around you or the ground has pulled out from underneath you. I do not know if you know somebody who is going through that. I do know this, if not today, another day. And on those days, I invite you to remember this moment as my fellow travelers on the highway and broken-hearted, disappointed disciples, this meal is for you to offer blessing and hope and forgiveness and a new start and a community that says we will hang in this with each other until God gets it right deep within us all. To God be the glory. Amen.